You're listening to Expanding Horizons, the podcast of the Unitarian Church of South Australia, a home of progressive spirituality and free religious thought and action since 1854. The views expressed in these podcasts are those of the speaker and are not intended to represent the position of the church itself or of the worldwide Unitarian Universalist movement. For more information, visit unitariansa.org.au. Many people in the world outside go about their daily business without any consciousness of how their projects and their problems are affecting other people. As I light this flame, with patience, let this flame be a symbol of our consciousness of our own projects and problems, but also consciousness of the projects and problems of the people that we encounter out there. They are not means to our ends, but other human beings worthy of dignity and respect. And we come before this chalice as a community, and as a community we treat each other with respect, at least endeavour to, constantly. And now from... Jenny, a story for all ages, the lioness and small respect. And I'll do the pictures, Jenny. Oh, good. Respect. It's something I'd like to talk to you about. It's something I know a lot about because I've been afforded a great deal of it over the years. As queen of the African plain, the gazelle and the zebra and the giraffe show me respect by galloping as fast as possible in the opposite direction as soon as they catch sight of me. <laughs> by contrast, the rhinoceros and the hippopotamus, not being quite so nimble, don't run away, but they take great care with their great big clumsy feet not to tread on my children. Now, being accustomed to this level of respect, I was somewhat affronted one day when something bit me on the nose. Well, I snapped at it. It hurt my tongue. It would hurt my tongue like it wouldn't be. So I swiped at it with my paw, would have felled a buffalo, and missed. And had the cheek to say to me, I have drunk your blood, O oh mighty queen, and vanquished you in battle. You will have to bow down and worship me. And was laughing so hard, made a quick turn and straight into a spider's web, which the resident spider, having great respect for me, promptly gobbled him up. Very satisfying, I thought, from the respect point of view. Now, later on that day, because it was a tiring morning, I lay down in a thicket to sleep, and I felt something on my nose. I looked up and saw a mouse. A mouse had actually run across my face. 
I put my paw out and trapped it. I was about to knock it off, quick snack, you know. And it said, it squeaked at me. Oh, I'm so sorry, Queen. I was so, so sorry. I didn't mean to run into you. I didn't know you were there. I, I can't believe how embarrassed and upset I am by this. Well, I thought, it's the thought that counts. And so I said, very well, little fella, you may proceed on your way. And he said, well, I, I owe you something. I really owe you something. I pledge my allegiance, and on the first opportunity I have, I will give my all. Well, I thought again. It's thought that counts. <laughs> and let him go on his merry way. Well, it was some months later that I was having a midnight walk. I don't usually do that. I mean, you don't hunt at midnight. It's dawn and dusk at the times for doing that. Anyway, it was just, it was a full moon. It was just lovely. And suddenly, there was nothing beneath my paws. I fell down a two-meter pit. Well, I mean, that's not a big deal. I can jump out of a two-meter pit. Oh, no, I couldn't. You know what had happened? A net had fallen on me. Well, the more I struggled, the more my limbs became entangled. It was just dreadful. And a hyena came along and started laughing with his stupid laugh. <laughs> laugh. Oh, God, you are just so stuck. And you know what's going to happen in the morning. The hunters are going to come and they're going to spear you right through the sides and we will have to find another queen <laughs> and went off on his way well I mean I was affronted but I was actually more worried about what was going to happen next it was nearly before dawn when a little mouse turned up and he ran over to me with great concern he said oh dear I can see what the problem is I'll fix it for you and I thought, you and what army? Well, what army turned out to be his family. He got his wife and his cousins and his aunts and children, and they gnawed and gnawed and gnawed. In and about an hour, they freed me. Just in time for me to give a very nasty scare to the men who were going to kill me. <laughs> so, what did I learn? Well, I guess what I learned was to respect those who respect me, regardless of their size, because sometimes very small, insignificant-looking beings can be extremely capable and valuable, and they're so worthy of respect, as am I. Beautifully told, or should I say performed by Jenny, thank you. That was lovely. And now for something completely different. We move to a regular part of our service where we can share joys and concerns by lighting a candle at the front. I'll light the first candle if I can. This is a candle for our mutual respect, which is a great joy for us to be able to come together in a place where we can be comfortable and accepted by each other. Well, I will light one final candle for those unspoken concerns and joys. We all carry burdens in our heart, but also 
joys which we may not be sharing just at the moment. Now, if you will, uh, let us just contemplate for a moment what we've heard. If you will, uh, pray with me. We have heard a number of reasons to be grateful. Let us give thanks for our health and for the kindness and support and respect of others. It means so much of us in affirming our own dignity and worth. And we may contemplate these physical bodies of ours that we carry around, in some ways very fragile, but in other ways very resilient. We're thankful for the times of healing in our lives. And let us remember that whenever a swan dies, there will be more swans. Now I'd like to ask John to come forward with our reading for today. I've given John previously a very short reading to do. This makes up for it. So this reading is from the 5th century compiler, Stovius, reporting Heracles, a Stoic from the 1st century of the Common Era. Each one of us is, as it were, entirely encompassed by circles, some small, others larger, the latter enclosing the former on the basis of their different and unequal dispositions relative to each other. The first and closest circle is the one which a person has drawn as though around the centre of his own mind. This circle encloses the body and anything taken for the sake of the body, for it is virtually the smaller circle and almost touches the centre itself. Next, the second one, further removed from the centre but enclosing the first circle, this contains parents, siblings, spouse and children. The third one has in it uncles and aunts, grandparents, nephews, nieces and cousins. The next circle includes the other relatives and this is followed by the circle of local residents. Next that of others in one city and then in the same way the circle of people from other cities and the circle of others in one's nation. The outermost and largest circle which encompasses all the rest is that of the whole human race. Once these have all been surveyed, it is the task of a well-tempered person in the right relations with each group to draw the circles together somehow towards the centre and to keep zealously transferring those from the enclosing circles into the enclosed ones. It is incumbent upon us to respect people from the third circle as if they were those from the second and again to respect our other relatives as if they were those from the third circle. For although the greater distance in blood will remove some affection, we must still try hard to assimilate them. The right point will be reached if, through our own initiative, we reduce the distance of the relationship with each person. The main procedure for this has been stated, but we should do more in terms of how we address them calling cousins brothers and uncles and aunts, fathers and mothers. For this mode of address would be no slight mark of our affection for them all, and it would also stimulate and intensify the indicated contraction of the circles. 
Well, let us uh, proceed to hear some reflections for the day. And the topic is R-E-S-P-E-C-T, respect. So it's one of those concepts which we all understand in a way, but it's not easy to define. The starting point for Unitarians might be the first principle, recognising the inherent worth and dignity of all human beings. And one should not overlook the fact that all of the seven Unitarian principles can be explained in terms of respect for each other and the environment in which we live. Now, when I was coming up with the titles of these addresses, or ministers' reflections as I prefer to call them, um, I was told, oh, you have to get the titles to the editor of the newsletter, you've got a day or two. So I quickly threw up some ideas, and I must admit, I wrote the title of today's reflections, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, thinking of the song by Aretha Franklin with the tremendous affirmational chorus. However, upon close consideration of the lyrics, I'm not sure that the song can be much use today. For example, and I'm not going to sing it, all I want you to do for me when you get home is whip it to me, sock it to me, sock it to me. So I thought it defied analysis, really, so (laughs) instead I, I, I turned to the philosophers. Now, the German philosopher Immanuel Kant wrote a lot about the ethics of human relations. He believed human beings were special because they could reason and make choices for themselves whereas he attributed a kind of determinism to animals and other creatures, considering that they acted on impulse alone. Now, some animal liberationists might debate that today, and and other ethicists such as Peter Singer. One can also say that many humans, much of the time, seem to simply act on animal impulses, pursuing pleasure and avoiding pain. Kant considered this human ability to reason and make choices to be what makes us unique. Each human being has a set of projects based on the choices they've made, and that sum of an individual's choices is an end in itself, since the individual is an autonomous being. To treat another human being as human, instead of treating them as an animal, means acknowledging that other person's free choice as to how they behave and how they might respond to a request from us. Putting it succinctly, he made the important point that we should see others as ends in themselves, not as a means to an end. In other words, not using others merely to satisfy our own desires. Long ago, Confucius made the same point when he posed the question, without feelings of respect, what is there to distinguish people from beasts. Now, Kant would not have agreed to the cliché, respect has to be earned. I think he would say confidence has to be earned, trust has to be earned, but respect for other human beings is a reflection of our own humanity. Today's reading from one of the Greek Stoic philosophers presents an ethical challenge for us. The suggestion is that we must begin by respecting ourselves, in other words, to acknowledge that our chosen projects are legitimate because of our inherent worth as a human being. 
One would hope there's not too much trouble in respecting our partner and our closest friends, people for whom we have a lot of affection. We know them. We trust them. We act on the basis that it is a reciprocal relationship. As we get to the circles further away from ourselves, in fact, as soon as we get to complete strangers, sometimes respect can easily be forgotten. I'll give you a trivial example. I went shopping at the supermarket a few days ago and I thought it would be a good opportunity to withdraw some cash. I bought just two items and I asked for $140 cash out. Uh, as an aside, I always go to the human checkout operator, never to the machine, because I want to keep them in employment. Anyway, so I asked for $140 cash out. And the young woman operating the checkout looked doubtful and told me that she may not have that much money in the till. Oh, I said, OK, how about $90 then? She looked forlorn and she said, well, I may not have that either. And I'm thinking, how hard can this be? So I said, why don't you just open the till and see how much money you have? And apparently the system in that particular supermarket did not allow a checkout operator to open the till for that reason. As the queue behind me started to grow longer, she explained she'd have to go and get the key to unlock the till. Now, I really was after some cash, so I said, yes, please, why don't you go and do that? So she went to the other side of the supermarket, came back with the key, opened the till, counted the money, and turned to me and said she could give me $90, which I gratefully received after waving my plastic card. Now, in this story, I was in a Unitarian minister frame of mind. So although I thought the supermarket security system was a bit silly and certainly inconvenient, I didn't take it out on her. I regret to say, however, that there have been times in the past when in similar scenarios I became pretty ill-tempered and let rip a few angry words. Now, what would Immanuel Kant make of this scenario? Here he is at the check. I've got a, an illustration of him at the checkout there. Now, the young woman was doing nothing more or less than following the procedures set down by her employer. For me to express anger to her in that situation would be to say that my ends are more important than her ends, in, which included pleasing her employer. My desire for cash, more important than her desire to act as instructed by her employer. Any anger directed at the checkout operator is casting her in the role of merely a means for me to achieve my end, as if she was a machine, not a human being. Now, this may sound like intellectualising about a fairly simple everyday situation, but I think it does help to explain why patience and courtesy in the situation is respectful and necessary, whereas expressing anger because of the passion of frustration at the inconvenience would be disrespectful. The challenge to constantly be respectful becomes more difficult because there is a lot of conditioning in the media and from other people which suggests that some people are worth less than others. In other words, human beings have their prejudices. And a lot of the commercial TV, radio and newspapers, not to mention politicians, do a lot to create and reinforce such prejudices. 
for your own mental health, uh, like me, you might, you might avoid a lot of the TV, radio and newspapers that I'm talking about. But there are certainly elements there which suggest that some people are less worthy, perhaps because they're unemployed, perhaps because of their ethnicity, perhaps because of their behaviour in the moment. I'll give you a challenging example of how conditioning can lead a human being to think that another human being is less worthy of respect. I was with um, nearly 30 Australians travelling through Palestine, or Israel, if you prefer. We approached the large Tulkaram checkpoint, this is a substantial uh, building, to come back into the Israeli part of um, the country from the West Bank, which is administered by a Palestinian authority. Now, a lot of the soldiers at these checkpoints were really just kids doing their national service, uh, often aged anywhere between 18 and uh, 20, 21 years old. So, uh, anyway, a young man with a rifle stepped onto the bus to check passports and then announced that we could drive through to the other side of the checkpoint, but the Palestinian guide with us would have to get out and walk through the secure building where people are inspected more closely and then out through the gates to the other side. Now, being Aussies and not used to this sort of discrimination, a few of us said, well, let's go out and go with him. And the whole group agreed. So as we started to get up to leave the bus, the young soldier said in broken English that we could stay on the bus and drive through, but the Palestinian had to walk through the checkpoint. Nonetheless, we continued to file out of the bus and we all followed the young Palestinian guide as he went into the checkpoint building. They asked us to go through the metal detector where everyone beat. We had to take off our belts and shoes and jewellery. And then a young female guard with a rifle shouted at the Palestinian in Hebrew uh, so that he would empty his pockets, provide his ID papers, and then yelled at the rest of us in Hebrew, which resulted in a lot of us shrugging and saying, well, we don't understand. And eventually the guard moved us through one by one and we rejoined the bus on the other side. So the point is that it's a clear example of not respecting that Palestinian guide as a human being by requiring the person to walk through the checkpoint because of their ethnicity or nationality. But equally, uh, the positive side of the story is that it was an illustration of the empowerment that can be provided by respecting someone in a difficult situation. In, the, in this case, with 30 people choosing to undergo the same humiliation as our Palestinian guide, effectively saying, you are as human as we are. Now, getting back to the challenge presented by the Stoic philosopher, it's not far-fetched to demonstrate our respect for others by calling them uncle, auntie, brother or sister, even though we don't share DNA with them. In fact, it's very common in some cultures. Middle Eastern culture, for example, it's also very common in Aboriginal culture. When I regularly meet with one of the local leaders of the Ghana people in the Marian area, we often refer to each other as brother a term both given and received with the understanding of the respect that is being offered to the other. And equally, when I've conversed with Aboriginal elders older than myself, I've addressed them as uncle. The use of the term is not respect in itself. The point is it is a mark of the respect that is given. I also 
say that without necessarily using the concept of respect specifically, the great religions of the world all invite us to respect our fellow human beings. We see this in the commandment received by Moses and endorsed by Jesus to love your neighbour as yourself. An example from the Quran as well. To parents, do good. And to relatives, orphans, the needy, the near neighbour, the neighbour further away, the companion at your side, the traveller. And I'd like to finish with a few quotes. Respect for ourselves guides our morals. Respect for others guides our manners. From Lawrence Stern, an 18th century Anglican cleric who might have had a few Unitarian tendencies. Every human being of whatever origin, of whatever station, deserves respect. We must each respect others even as we respect ourselves. It was Ralph Waldo Emerson, 19th century American poet and Unitarian. From Pythagoras, respect yourself above all. Now, how can I top that quote from Pythagoras? Well, of course, I turned to David Beckham. <laughs> I, re I respect all religions, but I'm not a deeply religious person. But I try and live life in the right way, respecting other people. I wasn't brought up in a religious way, but I believe there's something out there that looks after you. So I reckon he's kicking a few goals with that one. So let us take a moment to reflect on the way we respect others. But I say to you that it is a privilege uh, for me to gradually get to know you individually and as a group. And I recognise that every single one of you is a special human being. We all have our own projects and problems. I'm the same as you are in that respect. There will be times when we're preoccupied with our problems. There'll be times when we falter in our respect for others. But in this community, we can be confident that we'll come back to an equilibrium where we're respectful in our communications. And that is as much and also the least that anyone can ask for. We hope you've enjoyed this Expanding Horizons podcast. These podcasts are the intellectual property of the presenter. They can be used only with the express permission and appropriate acknowledgement of the presenter. This permission can be obtained by emailing admin at unitariansa.org.au. Please feel free to leave a comment or visit us on Facebook or Twitter by searching SA Unitarians or by visiting our website at unitariansa.org.au.